Today's episode of Read It and Weep is brought to you by Amazon.com. If you're buying stuff online this time of year, and you probably are, and you're going to go to Amazon anyway, just go to Amazon.com. It's our referral link, and when you do that, a portion of whatever you buy goes to us. Not the thing itself, but a portion of the money you spend on it. So it's a way for you to do almost nothing and help us out. We would really appreciate it this year. So Amazon.com, A-M-I-N-A-Z-O-N.com. You can really help us all out. Thank you and enjoy the show. Good morning, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are the Internet's okayest podcast about movies. I'm your host, Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone. And I have a great panel today, never before assembled on the Internet. First up in Southeast Portland, it's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Alex, be careful. Okay, don't you know 60% of all podcast accidents occur <laughs> while you're introducing the guest? Man. So I need I, you to chill it out, Alex, all right? So so I like this joke you're doing. I got to say that might have been one of the jokes that missed me in the movie. The gag about him just saying percentages, and then they just forgot about that gag later. Oh, you, you don't like uh, the C-3PO qualities of the father <laughs> in this movie? Yeah. I think you there's just, a better way to do that gag. I don't know. The exact percentage of, like, jumping is the most... I'm like, all right, I get it. I don't know. The, the like, um, the cut from riding in on a motorcycle with mutton chops... Oh, yeah, yeah. and then leaving in a Volvo? The, yeah, uh, that's a very funny that gag. That is a brilliant totally, gag. That's totally why this it. gag didn't strike me. So I liked Wait, gag? I mean, I, I've gone through that experience, and that is how it works. Yeah, so yeah. I, this is like, I've never done this, but I was like, yeah, that's I, that checks out. I believe it. That looks like what I think people are doing. Um, well, and that's one of the fun thing about a kids' movies. There's jokes for my, for us and for kids. And I don't know if the percentage joke, if that one was for the kids, because like the one where he like tastes his earwax, that was not for me. That was for the kids. But the joke about the Volvo, that was for me. So hard to say with this one. You kids know? love rules, and there's no harder and faster rule than a number. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's yeah. well said. And if there's one thing, the problem is, Alex, you're just too far removed from sliding down a banister and not close enough to telling someone to not slide down a banister that oh, you're a I man mean, with no country. You know, you're, you're, if you were closer to the sliding down banister age, you would relate on a different level. And if you were, you know, had a kid, you'd relate on a different level. But yeah, like I said, you're just no, in no man's land. No man's land is he right too now. far That's removed true. or is he too fur removed? Because, okay. I mean, aren't we all just people who shed our bear suits? <laughs> okay. Uh, a lot. I mean, hey, I have... I have gone to a lot of conferences trying to refine my bear suit, and I've spent about twenty grand on a suit sure. for it. Conferences, right? we'll call them conferences. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that voice, by the way, uh, let me int- finish introducing him. Uh, I asked him what to plug, and he said he has a cool three-year-old. So please welcome, pretty good dad, uh, in Brooklyn, right? Uh, Brooklyn, New York. In That's Brooklyn, right. New York, uh, it's Matt Carmen. Hey, uh, if you ever uh, find a lost bear in a train station, just bring him home. <laughs> Don't waffle about it. Just bring them home. It's a nice thing to do. I hate it's okay. So another. All right. Well, it's so much to say. I do feel mostly empathetic for the dad when he was like, don't talk to that bear. He's just trying to sell you something that stranger danger. Yeah. You. If I'm on a, if I'm commuting and you try to start a conversation about how you need something, I am going to be very curt with you. I have no interest in 
adopting a bear right now. If I do, I will go through the proper channels. That's yeah, a fair point. Yeah, I, I am. I am about fifty percent of the time the bear, and ha- the other half of the time I am that dad. Wait, you're the bear? Yeah. Don't How you feel you lost and confused in the, the big city sometimes? I don't know. No, I've never tried to get I, like for me. There's the people in Portland who wear the red. They wear red vests and they're trying to sell you charities by like pretending they're your friends. So they're like. They see you coming and they're like, hey, did you know we have a mutual friend? And then you stop and you're like, really? Who? And they're like, Mother Earth. And then <laughs> uh, makes me want to kill them. Um, that uh, slight chuckle that you heard right there are rounding out the panel today, making her debut on the show. Comedian and writer at Julia Prescott on Twitter, co-host of the podcast Everything's Coming Up Simpsons, uh, and also co-author of the book 100 Things the Simpsons Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, which is currently number 628 on books dash arts and photography dash performing arts on (laughs) amazon.com please welcome julia prescott to the show hey thanks so much for having me um so many uh different categories you could be in that is not your strongest one arts and photography dash performing (laughs) arts but still in the hundreds is very impressive hey thank you so much (laughs) i mean i I guess that shows uh, how good of an author i am i i didn't even realize that we were charting yeah oh Um, you're charting all over the place i should be checking in Um, more i think you're i can't remember what your best one was but it was there was like a a lower hundreds i believe um that's good yeah i like (laughs) here's one thing that i remember from when we released as when i released our book a couple years ago was that on amazon when you put out a book and literally no one has bought it (laughs) your author ranking is like you, you're like currently ranked number 200 million and then you sell one copy and you're in the top 10,000 uh, because most books nobody is buying it's pretty impressive you are currently 175 yeah, yeah, yeah. in pop culture general humor Ooh, now this is getting really sad i don't know if i want to go down this path <laughs> oh really i thought that was good you're you're th- 30,918 overall in books which is still very impressive that is i mean it may be good but i feel like uh, and adding any number to where i stand and how my self-worth is defined <laughs> and your shipping weight is 13.6 ounces is that oh, still weird great. That you know what? Actually, no. That's good. Let's continue down that. Path. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, so if you if you know anything about the Simpsons or are interested in the Simpsons at all, it's a, a Simpsons recap show. Not current Simpsons, only good stuff. And you guys have also had a, a, an amazing lineup of Simpsons writers and, and producers over yeah, the years. Yeah, I, I feel like that's been our, our added. You know, that that's like I think our angle of of you know what makes our show. There are so many Simpsons podcasts now, and not to like draw a line and say like we're better than the next one. Currently ranked number two hundred and forty-eight in Simpsons podcasts. Please stop saying numbers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I I will say we've been doing some live shows, and we just did a show in Portland. Mm -hmm. um, And at that Portland show, somebody like summarized it perfectly. They said because we did a crossover with another Simpsons podcast, Talking Simpsons, and they're based in the Bay Area, and. the this listener came up to us and said, like, I really like Talking Simpsons. I feel like they are the grad school of Simpsons recap <laughs> podcast, but you and Allie are like the art school. Oh. And I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> so I, I, I feel that, I mean, having spent a fr- uh, my freshman year at art school, I feel like that's <laughs> accurate before I realized that there's nothing worse than an 18-year-old artist. Oh, um, man. <laughs> but I'll take it. But yeah, that's, that's been sort of I think that, you know, what, whatever we add to the conversation and then the fact that we have, you know, been tremendously fortunate to have access, uh, whether it's by proximity and being L.A. or just because both Allie and I work in entertainment. Um, you and know, are we've fearless been having, about tweeting at people. 
Yes. Oh my God. Allie is so bold. I mean, she's, she's bolder than me. Um, she's great at that. I mean, I, I always say like, she's better at the internet than I am. I mean, she's sure. the social media producer for at midnight, which is basically like she ran the show because <laughs> that show is about social media. And she ran Twitter because um, that yeah. show ran all of the top 10. I know. I know. I know. Topics. Yeah. So I definitely like, I got to hand it to Allie for being, you know, so fearless with that. Um, but it's been it's been really great. So just to have like people like Al Jean on yeah. um, to come on and, and talk about everything but The Simpsons, which has been kind of a fun bit that he's running. And um, other writers, you know, Mike Scully, Dana Gould. You had Tim Bill, Long. my friend Bill Oakley, friend of the pod, Bill Your Oakley, friend, Bill uh, who Oakley. was, was yeah. the showrunner for the two best years of that show. Ah, uh, yeah, and we and we've had his writing partner Josh Weinstein yeah. on uh, several times. I think he's about to be on for his third time for. Our podcast. He's basically our fifth beetle right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's been uh, really great because I think also maybe what makes us the art school of the Simpsons podcast is because Allie and I come from, well, we work in entertainment. We come from, you know, a creator kind of, you know, standpoint. We The conversation is always about how it has affected our work today. And so to be able to also like talk to writers and directors and creators about you know, how The Simpsons has that effect on them, you know, then it being just like a recap podcast for the sake of recap podcast. I think maybe that's sort of our, our secret sauce with it. And, and that's the only conversation. So as um, a, a podcast about movies where I feel like we're not adding a lot to the conversation, Anthony, what, what school are we? <laughs> uh, we're the alternative school. Oh, uh, oh you yeah. Know, you really can't. We don't really give grades. <laughs> Uh, there was an alternative high school with- where I grew up called the You Can Do Anything High School, which is like the most placating name for a school. Uh, smoke it, pot with the teachers. Come on in. Have a good time. Exactly. Is, are you guys the school that had those infomercials where it's like you could get your degree in pajamas? Oh, that's an, uh, that's a fair. We're, 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 like, we could be an online? ITT tech of movie podcasts. Maybe ITT tech. Uh, Wait, like your degree is in pajamas? Yes, your degree is in pajamas. Like I've got a BA in pajamas? <laughs> yes. I knew somebody, um, I remember, you know, uh, senior year when we all were getting our letters from colleges and going off, I remember a friend of mine was like, I'm going to go to Hawaii University or Cal State Hawaii, or not Cal State, but you know what I mean. I'm yeah. going to Hawaii and I'm majoring in leisure studies. And I was like, <laughs> that's a okay. real thing. I feel like, yeah, A, that's a real thing. And B, I feel like that's every degree in Hawaii. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I funny. majored in, in leisure studies in, in Walla Walla, Washington. Like, you can definitely cruise through <laughs> through college, however, wherever you are, but Hawaii right. is a nicer well, place. I think- what I think he was actually telling all of us was that he was just going to sell weed for the next three years before it got legal. Yeah, good for well, yeah, get on <laughs> the ground floor. So but he's an entrepreneur. Then, so this is how long that this college experience has been going. This is episode number four hundred and seventy-two of the program. We have now yeah. done as many episodes as the number of stops in the New York subway system. Wow! Yeah, isn't that fun? Um, <laughs> right, Matt? Isn't that fun? We're related to you. Yeah, this is your that- New York fact. It seems like too many stops. Maybe that's why we have so many issues. Well, you have apparently 850 miles of track, and it is the busiest rapid transit system in the Western Hemisphere. Um, Also, fun fact, 65% on-time performance in the New York subway system. Yeah, that feels generous, honestly, but... uh... I would love for you to not be reading this. I would love for it to just be at the top of your dome. These are not things that I knew already. I also found out 40% of it's above ground. I didn't realize that much of it was non Oh, yeah, we're we're near one of those stretches. 
Yeah, I like the idea that uh, Alex is just like a little Jonathan Lipnicki. He'll just break out facts on anything. This, You know what? I like to pretend each week that I just happen to know this instead of Googling the number. But one thing I do know about the New York subway system is that even though it's this, it, it may be a city that does not sleep, but the trains sure go local at 10 p.m. Whew. They get real sleepy. Yeah, that is a sleepy <laughs> yeah. subway system in the evening. Like it is technically a 24-hour service if you want it to take two and a half hours to get from uh, downtown to midtown. Oh. Yeah, I've been caught up in that. The last time I was in New York, uh, I just went on tour about a month ago, and, and I spent two days in New York, and, and it took me, I had a gig in Brooklyn, but I was staying in Harlem, and then, oh, geez. like, the, L, I, the yeah, dreaded yeah. L shape on the subway. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so I already had, like, about an hour train ride uh, that I was staring down, but then the train stopped, and just was there, yeah. <laughs> underground, for a long time, yeah. and I think it all and in the end like took me about an hour and like 40 minutes yeah i was near tears yeah that's <laughs> and it, so pissed. i was doing when i was st- i was staying in harlem and doing shows in brooklyn and coming back and it was like uh it like even the the express takes forever to do that and then at 10 p.m the train just stops everywhere oh it's a long it turns out that is a very large island i wouldn't say it's a long yeah but it, that's because that's a different well, place. But it works. It works, baby. <laughs> well, anyway, speaking of emerging... Bringing it back. Speaking of places where you emerge confused, this week we're talking about Ooh. the 2014 CGI British bear film Paddington, um, based on the book series of the same name. Um, why are we watching this right now? It is because, for, as you guys all know, for December we celebrate the month of Grismas, um, where uh. we watch either <laughs> holiday movies or movies about bears, and as voted for by our listeners. And... So far, we are two Christmas, one bear. So I don't know why the big winner was not bears this year. But Well, this is a like an overlap movie. This is the Venn diagram of Christmas. Would this you is say? a holiday movie and a bear is movie. Is it a holiday movie? It snows a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I it's... Feel- Oh, I was going to say that I feel like its Britishness um, amps up its Christmasness because I feel like, yes. especially from oh. a dumb American POV, that, that it's always Christmas in London. Right, because I'm up at Christmas Carol. That's like the Christmas accent. Oh, and, and just so many things. Yeah, it is the Christmas accent. I mean, it's the historic accent. Yeah, if, it's <laughs> if you're snowing, from history, you're British. If it's snowing in front of brownstones, it's Christmas time. <laughs> That's what I think. Definitely. I I cannot That's see fair. snow in front of those. That I think that this movie isn't like thematically necessarily like narrative wise tied into Christmas as a holiday. But this is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard, and we've all given up having that fight. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So if I'm not if if I'm no longer gonna die on that hill, I'll die on Paddington's A Christmas Movie Hill. Yeah, can I share? Uh, Notting Hill, we call it. Dave, uh, <laughs> Notting my friend Dave Horowitz. You're going to die on Notting Hill. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Julia. <laughs> oh, no, no. I was going to say, can I share my, my friend Dave Horowitz? Uh, very funny writer. I think he's currently writing on Rick and Morty. Um, but he tweeted the other day. Uh, what was it? Oh, uh, Home Alone 2 is a diehard movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a well-constructed tweet. I thought was like that perfect button to that stupid argument. So so this is, uh, uh, of course, as with all of our topics, or most of our topics, is voted for by our listeners. So we picked the theme, and our, our meat buddies, 
Um, anybody who donated to the show can vote on the upcoming topics. If you want to become a meat buddy, go to readdeskweep.com slash meat buddies. And we really appreciate all of them supporting the show. Um, we have uh, we have one more slot, which has already been filled. So you're done voting at ease. Democracy over for now. But uh, And we have a interesting month of January coming up that will not be voted on by you. But I think you're really going to like listeners. But uh, we'll be back in, in February for more voting. So stick around for, for that. Become a meat buddy now and you can vote on upcoming topics like february and then of course march badness where we watch the worst things we possibly can find all of that and more become a meat buddy so now let's talk about paddington it's finally time let's jump in and talk about what's going on i'm going to summarize this please feel free to interrupt and make corrections as necessary and contributions so we're going to start in black and white in the jungles of darkest peru a totally normal and not racist thing british people say about that country and uh, a british explorer is out looking for some cool animals to kill and bring home when he meets a charming species of bear who could murder him but chooses not to. And because of that mutual respect, they learn from each other. The bears learn about all delightful British things, including wearing hats, eating marmalade, and talking. That's the Queen's English. The Queen's English, which is pretty impressive uh, for like their vocal cords. Um, it's a charming group of bears, and they just become obsessed with human things. 25 years later, those bears are still hanging around in the jungle, making jam and being little British bears. When and at some point adopted a nephew. Yeah, apparently they got their <laughs> nephew. Yeah, that was unclear. Um, but then a horrible earthquake stri- strikes, m- killing one of the four characters we've met so far in the movie, which is rough. And the worst <laughs> part is that it was marmalade day too. You know, yeah. oh, that's like, not it the worst part. On he... Any other day. No, at least he, he died the way day. he lived, making marmalade. At least his last, like, well, you know, this, this the worst day for, to die in an earthquake would be the day after finals. Because you just spent the last couple weeks of your life thinking about finals and then doing finals. At least die on marmalade day. And then day. for what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to, yeah, I want to die the day after I did the best thing ever. I feel like Uncle Bear peaked and then died in an earthquake. Um... I thought that was like more emotional depth than I was ready for at that point in the movie. I was <laughs> was like, well, surely uh, Uncle is fine somewhere, and that's just his hat fell off, and then we never come back to it. Well, that's well, what people say about this movie that it has sort of a similar feeling of up. The first yes, of up is it like it is. Like I up. think it lures you in. Yeah, I mean, it, you walk in going like, I'm going to see you know a fluffy kids movie and just feel good, and then you're immediately faced with. You know, like um, your mortality. Also, it's is a lot of black and white fake explorer films, so there is a lot in common. Yeah, that's true. There's also also the element that is like, as someone who Paddington is one of those like properties that I don't really know anything about because I feel like it is a very British thing. Yeah, Um, it's a lot like Tintin to me. Like it's the thing I was like, oh, I kind of know what that is, and then you find out how big it is everywhere else, and you're like, oh, weird. But, like, with Paddington, you still, and it's like, I know at some point he ends up with that red hat in London. Uh, so <laughs> this isn't going to keep going great forever. I don't think, so there is a little bit of tip in his hand. I was like, I'm, the one thing I know about Paddington is he wears a coat and he has a hat and he's in London. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That was all I knew about the the franchise. Uh, well, like and this, uh, so we're, we're having to get an origin forms. story. And an origin story for a kid's movie, I assume, is usually going to be just, like, real glancing and not important and not not like a great scene and that opening sequence is very funny and the like i i like it i think it's a great origin story and it's got that emotional depth and 
Yeah. I, so, this movie's hilarious. Yeah, it's... I yes. mean, it, it totally does not need to be. And I think that's, like, at least for me personally, what, you know, really resonates with me about h- how much I like it. Uh, and I actually saw Paddington 2 first. Oh. And then I saw Paddington 1. So this... Do you think of um, this so as I a prequel? Very sort of. <laughs> In some ways, yeah. It, so I haven't seen Paddington 2, but I know it's just universally beloved, even more so than this movie. Is that like the dark Empire Strikes Back turn of the Paddington franchise? Wait, it gets Jeez. darker? <laughs> That's a question. I don't know. I mean, know. I guess I guess on paper you could read the plot of Paddington 2 and be like, wow, it got really dark. But yeah, he wow. goes to prison for a while. He goes to prison. <laughs> what? <laughs> but it's it's delightful. But yeah, Wait, that's paper. not a joke. He really does? No. He on, does. He yeah. gets convicted of He gets convicted. Uh, and yeah. he goes to prison, and but he warms the heart of all these really menacing prison folk. It feels like it could be Orange is the New Black for half a second. Whoa, um, Orange is the New he Bear. warms the heart of everybody, yeah. Orange is the New Black Bear, but, that's what I should have said. Yeah, or or Pink is the New Black, which you'll see if, you know, yeah. you look at any images from the movie, he turns all of the uniforms pink by accident. Oh. But everyone has a good laugh about it. Oh, he's such a, he's so clumsy. Um <laughs> Oh, so it's it's kind of like Babe Two Pig in a City then. That's oh, that's fun. Now you're speaking my language. I know. I mean, yeah, oh. that's a great one. It's so Very good. Very few things are as dark as Babe Pig in the City. I agree. You know, no, I know. So like, there's definitely not. It's not that dark. Which, there's no point the where they like Kirk lynch a dog, dark. right? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like yeah. people always like laugh when you bring up how dark Babe with Pig in the City is, yeah. but I challenge people to watch it and just be like, "What the fuck?" It's one of my top George Miller films. Yeah, it Man. is. We we it watched is, the, It's the Fury Road of Babe movies. It, really, <laughs> it truly is. It truly is. I remember seeing it as a kid, and I honestly feel like, and and that's not to. I'm not saying this to like put myself up to be like I'm so artistic, but I do believe that it was the first time that I was like this fucking rules, and I get why nobody else likes it. But it was sort of that first like inkling of like I may like artier movies. Yeah, that yeah. is a way to pump yourself up. But good brag. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank you. We watched that. Uh, you can go back maybe a hundred or so episodes uh, to listen to our episode about that, where we had comic book author Matt Fraction on to talk about it. Whoa, two hundred episodes ago. Jesus Christ, um, that was a long time ago. It was before your time, Anthony. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's yeah. Babe, Pig in a City with Matt Fraction uh, is episode two ninety eight. Uh, wow. Anyway, so uh, Paddington, um, now given that his uncle has died in this uh, this horrible accident, um, decides to leave. They, they decide to strike out from the jungle. First, he puts Aunt Bear in a uh, home, and then he stows away and travels to brightest London, where he assumes he will be taken in very friendly-like because of his uh, audio cassettes and because of a story about refugees during World War II, I believe, that leads him to think that if you just hang around a train station in London, you'll be instantly welcomed. This is all, you know, pre-Brexit yeah. movie making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, which, by the way, I mean, not to timestamp this episode too much, but like as it stands currently in this moment in the year of our Lord 2018, literally every like uh tab i open has a little link that says like so what's happening with brexit yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> something just happened and still nobody uh knows well i so this movie is like foggy. one of the meta things about the movie is that it's clearly like a metaphor for refugees and for um yes, globalism of in london yeah. xenophobia and xenophobia and yeah um, i mean so what do you guys think like peter capaldi's character definitely voted leave 
Uh, you think the mom probably voted stay for sure. She did, and then the dad—that's what I can't figure out. Because I could see him being like, "I don't know." Like the EU has a lot of things, but you know, statistically speaking, you know, immigrants <laughs> right, cause right, more right. crime than anything else. You know? yes. uh, so I could see oh him. That is true, statistically not true. Might think dubs, just yeah. since well, we we're going to say, say that. Can I say so off of? I hadn't seen, as I mentioned, I saw Paddington two first before this, and I saw Paddington one. Um, you know, when I was like sick, uh, you know, a couple. I would say like three months ago, because uh, it was like on uh, streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that part of the reason why I didn't run to the theater to go see it was because I'd actually heard the argument that this was a really great story about you know refugees and things like that. Oh man! And for some reason, I. You know, when I heard that, I was like, oh, I feel like that's going to be really cloying um, because, <laughs> yeah. you know, you you can see a lot of I think a trend that's happened with a lot of like kids entertainment and features is, you know, to kind of do a forced importance with a capital I um, because everything feels like this sort of heightened seriousness. It's either um, we're going to make a really important statement with this either TV show or movie or it's just going to be like random YouTube culture of like flip flop and jojo which is like always my yeah. example of a fake tv show that i hate oh okay um, it's, it's so, like i assume you know, that was real things, that's not a real one no yeah, the, like the zoo zoolandia symptom of like i like yeah. zoolandia a lot oh you but mean zootopia? Really, zootopia zootopia yeah did i say zoolandia you did. it's the zoolander <laughs> zootopia crossover i liked yeah. zootopia so watch where you tread no i like it a lot yeah, but too. it is definitely the type of movie that had like its message first and foremost and then yeah. everything kind of felt built backwards from that but the message gets kind of muddled as you go into it like it wasn't a clear message about others it got kind of all over the place i think zootopia is a movie where they started with what if there was a city of animals and then worked backwards Mm. i feel like zootopia is a good movie that is also never sure exactly what it's trying to do besides have talking animals I think they started with that DMV turtles and worked backwards. (laughs) I think there may be some truth to that, but I I did feel that they had complete intention with it. But I also would argue that it's not a kid's movie by any stretch. Like, Mm. I feel like they're just doing a straight up noir with, you know, kind of socioeconomic kind of uh, intentions with that sort of message. But if we're talking about... You know, bring it back to um, George Miller, like an example that I always think about, you know, sort of like the good, bad version of this is Happy Feet. You know, Happy Feet was, which is, it's so funny that he he made that film too. I guess it makes sense within like Babe 2 Pig in the City. But I remember being dazzled by Happy Feet for the first 75% of it. I was like, wow, this is really fun. Like, there are, you know, really great car- uh, really great songs in this. And, and it was, Pink. you know, like a good time at the movies. Yeah. But then at the end, it breaks this wall of including, you know, what is happening like in like, you know, MSNBC kind of news ticker coverage. And there's actual like splicing of like actual live action footage. And it just made it be like, are you, it, it kind of felt like, you know, sort of what you were mentioning earlier about like people with clipboards outside of supermarkets. I was like, are, have I been preached to for the past like yeah. 70 minutes and I am a doofus and I didn't realize like it just felt like a trick. And so I feel like that's the bad example of that. And maybe that's what I thought when I heard it's just a great refugee story and went, oh, no, thank you. Oh, I'm good. Well, for sure. And if you so one thing that's interesting uh, about this movie is that I've heard so many people say that it's, it's incredible. And then I watched the trailer last week and I was like, I am going to have to be 
shitting on this movie people like because this trailer makes this movie look awful and i have not watched i don't watch a lot of trailers so i'm sure this is like a common thing but i was just posting the trailer for our listeners last week when we were talking about this movie and i watched it and it is so bad looking um so if you told if you showed me that and told me it was about refugees i'd like this is the worst movie ever made it it's like this Mm -hmm. is just a bear farting who also is preaching to you and it turns out that's not a good representation of it well, I mean, do you feel like that has anything to do with... Because I, I felt like the opposite where I just felt like, I guess if I had any idea why the fuck people like Paddington, I would love that trailer. But I just... <laughs> it was one of the things like... I remember when I first saw this trailer being like, so that's that Paddington thing, huh? Yeah. Okay. Weird. Yeah. Simple concept. Uh, yeah. But it didn't strike me as something I needed to get He's out. a clumsy and see. bear. Yeah, I didn't yeah. see this until earlier this year off the, the recommendation of a lot of people. Yeah, of everybody. Uh, yeah. Well, so uh, what, what happened, let's ke- to catch us back up on the plot. He's hanging out in this train station in London, and he's being ignored by everybody who's commuting, which is good. Don't talk to people um, in general, uh, except for he's very uh, popular among the pigeons. Uh, but finally, a family consisting of the guy from Downton Abbey and the woman who has sex with the fish man in Shape of Water... And their two kids. <laughs> you know their names. <laughs> I, uh, she loves I flooding bathroom movies. Right. Well, I, yes. I know. Yes. Yes. Sally Hawkins must have gotten super turned on when this bathroom flooded because that is <laughs> yeah. the sight of her Sally incredible Hawkins romance. Sally Hawkins has been a household name, not just in Britain, but in America for years. I yes. could not. I'm not great with names anyway, but it's Hugh Bonneville from uh, uh, Down Abbey and Sally Hawkins yeah. from apparently a lot of stuff. But I think of her as the lady who has sex with a fish man. Although, I don't want to spoil the movie. She's also a fish, so it's okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, like the whole movie, I just pictured her slowly shelling an egg. That's all I could think about. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're hanging out, and, uh, and they, they see him, and she, being the open-hearted uh, Remain voter that we believe her to be, <laughs> she sees the bear and is like, we should help him out um, and uh, take him in. And also, the kids love it, because, you know, Kids always are trying to adopt talking bears. You guys all have seen well, kids. Well, one of the kids. The other kid is in that. We, we all remember that phase when you're just so embarrassed by the bears your parents adopt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, classic teenage girl. Always <laughs> embarrassed about the the weird animals your mom's bringing home. Uh, but they, so they adopt this bear and uh, temporarily for one night. Lord Crawley brings, uh, agrees to bring him home for one night. And hilarious hijinks ensue because this bear doesn't know a lot about living in a human house and is also insanely unlucky and uncoordinated. So everything he does leads to a uh, Rube Goldberg series of calamities uh, that it, it lead him to uh, flooding the bathroom and the whole house, um, which gets Sally excited. Uh, and then eventually later <laughs> to lighting the house on fire. Like it just really terrible luck, this bear. Um well, I feel like the light of the house on fire, that was, he would have been fine left alone. He would have just gotten some tape everywhere. That was an outside force. The bathroom, that's totally on Paddington. Well, I'll so the tape that. was pretty bad, but then like, actually like lighting the house on fire was bad, but it was, otherwise he would have gotten murdered. So it actually like the fire saved him from her. That's true. Um, anyway, speaking of her, we'll get to her in a second. So uh, Paddington and his new mom set off to find the famous explorer who came to uh, deepest Peru, darkest Peru, um, and taught him about marmalade. Uh, and along the way, he is ac- he accidentally becomes a hero by dressing as a cop and apprehending a pickpocket using an umbrella and a bus as a parasail on accident. Uh, 
Well, he also uh, steals someone's dog because he misreads the escalator oh, sign, which is man, one of my favorite gags that in the whole is, movie. It's a good that gag. in the trailer, and I did not like yeah. it in the trailer, and in the movie, I laughed my ass off about him stealing that yeah. dog. Man, yeah, what a good a gag huge, that is. I mean, a huge part of this movie is the one Ben Wilshaw's performance yes. as Paddington, I think, is really fucking good. It's, it's such so a good really owner's voice. And then just the the um, pulling off the animation job of just and there are like scenes like that like the like the most of the physical comedy scenes the scene with the escalator which doesn't really have voice acting it's just really subtle cute animation yeah the an- he- uh, and it yeah. just really makes stuff like scenes like that and this whole like a police chase sequence just really pop by just how well also, animated totally I love the world building in this movie where. Just the way that the humans interact with a talking bear as being yeah. as casual as it is. Yes. Like we get it from that first uh, interaction between the Brown family and Paddington. That line of like, that bear's trying to sell us something. I mean, it, it like it's a funny joke, but then it also kind of brings us in and, you know, incites intrigue of like, okay, well, how do people yeah. like interact with a talking bear? But it also, it sort of makes me feel like, okay, well, then we're not going to, we could have spent the whole movie exactly. on that kind of interaction or introduction, but instead we're just off to the races. If and it every character saw this and was like, do. oh God, a talking bear, it would be an exhausting movie. But instead it's so just exhausting. like, oh, this is a metaphor for a different seen- kind of person. Absolutely, yeah. We've got bigger things to do. Yeah, it's great, man. I that the gag with the dog. So, anyways, he's just he's getting on an escalator, and the sign says dogs must be carried, and he couldn't figure out how to make the escalator work, so he steals someone's dog and carries it mm-hmm. on the escalator, and it works very yeah. well. Stands and, on one foot because he missed me. Oh, he has to stand, stand right. I love it. Yeah, uh, some good British wordplay. Uh, I know. I was gonna yeah. say that's like British ass shit. It's so fun. <laughs> the- there's a joke uh, in this movie that I don't think I got the first time I saw it, but it's one of those I wish I had been to London so I get, but when they're first getting a ride back to the house from the uh, train station, there's like this montage of all of like these London sites, and when they get there, the dad's like, that oh, was a the really weird route. Yeah, this yeah, really yeah. weird route you took. And he goes, oh, I was trying to show him the sites, and I thought that, okay, I didn't get that gag the first time. And I got it last night, and I was like, "That's a pretty funny." Man, the cat. So that that was a good cabbie gag. And then the, when the taxidermist murders the cabbie, um, and uh, she's like torturing him, and then she leaves. She, he finally gives up the location, and then she's walking away, and he's like, "This time of night, you don't want to use that route." <laughs> he just <laughs> yells some cabbie <laughs> advice about the traffic after just being tortured by this lady. Is a great so good good cab gags for this London movie. Um, but he was legitimately murdered. He was tied. And yes, and then he was murdered. The there she was just no way to escape. Him. <laughs> so there is a murder on screen. <laughs> we got to get back to that. So, it, it, so let's talk about that. So you're probably thinking at this point in the movie, what a fun romp! But it needs a villain. Well, fortunately, uh, we have Nicole Kidman as Cruella Deville. Will that do? Um, uh, I mean, Nicole Kidman extremely has an aesthetic in this movie. Yes, I love. Like, I, I've always had a big crush on Nicole Kidman. I think she is gorgeous in this film. But the hair, the Do you have a thing for evil women? The outfit, uh, maybe. Uh, I think that would explain a lot with my wife, personally. Um, Your wife is so lovely. <laughs> yeah, I know. She's great. Uh, but I just, I just, Nicole Kidman in this movie is so... She's- Having amazing. so much fun yes. and looks mm-hmm. amazing, and it's just—it is a little Cruella Deville like. So she's a taxidermist who is likes killing and collecting rare animals, but is especially excited when she finds out that there's a talking bear because she seems to have a personal thing 
for killing this yeah. bear uh, for unknown reasons at this point for killing a peruvian talking bear um well i've always loved that it's like she is like this is like her goal in life yes right she has to kill this bear and by like goal i mean waiting around for the bear to stumble into london <laughs> yes yeah, like, 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 looking the fact for it. that yeah, it's not like she's, like, actively pursuing this. She's she just is backburnering this, like, horrible <laughs> grudge. Which is oh, such a great way to live a, your yeah. life. It's not enough for her to break the fucking glass ceiling as a female taxidermist <laughs> in London. She's busy, you know? She's, she's holding down several... She's, like, spinning plates left and right. Very so busy. it makes total sense yeah. that, you know, she she is sort of... And, and like a true woman stereotype, doesn't want to ask. <laughs> wants, yeah. wants something to, you know, happen upon her so that she can, you know, sort of begrudgingly go, I guess this is my lot in life. So Well, it's important her. to have short-term and long-term goals. So short-term goal, <laughs> yeah. I want to murder this monkey. Long-term goal, I want to murder that bear. Yes. Yeah, well, of course. I mean, it is really impressive to think that, like, she has access to maybe the largest building in London that no one else is ever in. No. Yeah. Well. Like, it's like her private office. It's this incredible giant museum. So, yeah. like, that is pretty impressive what she's built for her. What she's built. And Can she's I done s- it all just to, and she wants to throw it away to get one bear. Um, yeah. And, well, man, I could just to jump ahead a little bit. She's also willing to kill people. Uh, yeah. Very willing. Like, kind of excited about the prospect. There's yeah. a part where she, they're like, you can't get him without coming through us. And she's like, well, I've never stuffed a human before, but that sounds interesting. Like, just pure psychopath. Not even a yeah. hesitation about killing a person uh, in as part of her, her goal. Fascinating. This is what I... This is what I will say about droll logic in kids' movies like Paddington. It's like staring at the sun, okay? Like, other things are going on, all right? Yeah. Don't look during the eclipse, okay? Yeah, okay. Like, just focus on the silly. Well, well so here's the silly. So she's trying to get this bear. So she um, hooks up with their racist neighbor, and um, uh, she Mission Impossibles down into their house while Paddington is alone, and... Um, Due to a Rube Goldberg esque streak, he lights the house on fire, but escapes being killed by her. So it's pretty. It's like a mixed b- blessing. But then, the fa- and is convinced he was attacked by an elephant. Yes, because she she's wearing a gas, gas mask. mask. The fire. Yes, this is a very funny joke. I think. <laughs> yeah, with the body of a snake, because she's wearing a snake skin, everything. Um, which is kind of funny, but also like I just feel like the parents were not good listeners. Like when he said it had the body of an elephant or head of an elephant, they were like, "You're lying! Get out of our house!" Instead of like wait but what happened with this elephant talk more about this um they so yeah they just they so okay right so he sets off this gas fire and then tells his family about it and they gaslight him about it and then uh which is very dangerous in that environment uh but he decides to take one for the team and he throws himself out of the house uh and he he runs away Trying to find his new home, he goes searching for the explorer. We've got to speed up. It's taken a while. Uh, searching for his explorer friend. Uh, and then another moment of kind of unluckiness, he finds the explorer's house only to find the explorer is dead and the explorer's daughter lives there. And she is, dun, 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 Nicole Kidman, the bear murderer. Mm. So just all the things have come together. She turns out to have been the daughter of the explorer who was shunned kicked out of the exploration society for not killing the talking bears. That's all they cared about at the time. And so he is removed from polite society and her whole goal is to kill this bear and stuff and put it in the natural history museum to show that her family is legitimately good explorers and that they deserve fame. 
in her, I love that her like display, like you know, like natural history museums, they try to like build like a life, like uh, like sh- a scene that shows what this animal's life was. Yeah. And hers for Paddington was him going to be on the tr- uh, like a tree, you know, like the least impressive thing that Paddington can do. Yeah, you, know, you would think if you wanted like a life display of Paddington, you would have him like with the marmalade machine. Yeah, you know, <laughs> or like, or or at least like that's... he's in his Swiss barely Robinson treehouse. Um, if you're going to put him in a tree, <laughs> like he built, they built a house. Yeah, it's it's. Just a little, like, she keeps him in the hat, because she's like, that's the thing that really makes him pop, you know? But <laughs> Man, his, if you were in a natural history museum and you saw a stuffed bear with, like, a, da- a jaunty hat, that would be pretty funny. That would be pretty funny. <laughs> um, so then uh, uh, she tries to, she takes him to the uh, natural history museum to kill him, which she, like, misleads him for a while about thinking he's going to be okay. There's a great visual gag where she helps him into a van that is labeled taxi, but when you close the door, it actually says taxidermist. There's so many jokes like this. It's wall to wall. Just, yeah, and really well executed. Very funny. Mm -hmm. And the family, uh, they capture the racist neighbor and find out that the bear is there. They go have a major showdown across the museum, uh, and which is where uh, Nicole Kidman announces she's willing to murder people oh she also she tortured the cab guy and as so she gets this cab driver and tries to find out where the bear lives and um brings him to a bridge hangs him upside down gets the information out of it and then just cuts the rope dropping him headfirst into the river so we assume dead so she's like super murdery um and so we don't feel bad when uh she gets knocked off a roof and everybody it saves the day and she probably dies um she doesn't die though oh no she, she gets a, she gets sent to community service all right you're right yeah at a petting zoo at a petting uh, zoo i forgot oh i forgot about that that was a good gag of her being really upset yeah. about getting community service um <laughs> and that's basically the movie there's a few more things we should bring up at some point but that's that's the general plot let's jump into our compliment pizza used to be a compliment sandwich but now we only do one in the middle so it's a compliment pizza everyone has to say one nice thing your favoriteest thing about the movie anthony what is your major compliment for Paddington. Um, Everything about this movie is really good. I agree. Uh, but I'm gonna have to go with a major compliment. Mm-hmm. Is this movie is like it's incredibly earnest. Yeah. Um, and it introduced me to a new property that I hadn't like cared about before, and is now no way is not going to be like a huge part of my life going forward in terms of like these two mm. movies that I love a lot. Like, is this, there a third one kind of going to come out? Are they going to ruin it for you? Uh, there probably might be a third one. I know the writer and director of these. He's the dude who did, like, the Mighty Boosh and stuff like that. I don't think he's going to come back for a third yeah, one. Yeah, Paul King will not so direct So I'm kind of feeling bad about mm. that. Uh, you but, need his boom shakalaka glass. I can't handle anyone else taking the helm. Yeah. Yeah. I, that would be very upsetting. Um, yeah, man. Man, again, why you got to ruin everything? Um... Are you going to read the books? I don't know. I feel like this is like a such a kid's thing that we missed out on. It's weird to try to think of like now going back and like reading some Yeah, no, I don't stories. think I would do that. Maybe if I had kids, I'd introduce them to the books because they might like the movies. But yeah. I just like, these are like, really do I, I feel like every few years we get like a new holiday classic kind of added into the canon. Yeah. And this is like, these are two really good kids movies within like four years. You know what I'm going to do? Amazing, so. I'm going to add marmalade to my rotation. Mm, yeah. <laughs> is marmalade any good? What exactly is it? I believe like marmalade is just orange jam, basically. 
Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I know that there's a distinction between like preserves yes, and sure. jelly and I jam. I think with marmalade, it includes the peel. So I, I feel like it has to be citrus. Yes, yeah, okay. And it has I'm to be in a grandmother's things. fridge. Yes, it yes. has to be in a I'm homemade jar. I'm learning all these things through um, Great British Bake Off is sort of making these like, you know, hair difference uh, distinctions yes. between... What is like a rugelade and what is a Swiss roll? I feel and like, the, like that, yeah, the, so, yeah. the peel seems to be a crucial part of it. So it's it's uh, like a jam okay. is usually just fruit juice with sugar and water, and you boil it. But it's it... like a sugared peel that's edible. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's got it's sort of like the peanuts in a crunchy peanut butter. According to <laughs> Wikipedia, it, that's true. Did you know they add those afterwards? This blew me what? away. Did you know? I always assumed crunchy peanut butter was they just like didn't grind it as much but it's not it's creamy peanut butter and then they just mix in some peanut chunks i guess that well, it's hard sense. to get the right it's hard to get the right consistency it, or the it right totally mix. makes sense but yeah. it also upended my universe mm. yeah it was like a berenstein like bears situation when i found that out i was so upset <laughs> you had a mandela effect where you lived in a world where that was not the case <laughs> yes yes okay uh gotcha. julia what's your what's your compliment pizza for paddington my compliment pizza was something that as i mentioned i saw Paddington 2 and without giving any spoilers away because I know that you guys haven't seen the movie yet. Um, Anthony has. I have not. I'm definitely going okay. to. Okay. There was one element. There's so many elements in Paddington 2 that I really, really love. But there was one element that I felt was original to that movie. But it actually as I learned when I saw Paddington 1 is expanded to, you know, the greater Paddington universe. Uh-huh. And it's just part of the tone, which is... Um, there is a really great soundtrack to these films. Oh. It's very bouncy. It's very, um, you know, like, uh, it's also kind of, um, jazzy at times, but, um, yeah. more importantly, they have like a Calypso band that yes. plays during key moments. Yes. And one thing that I really, really loved that I felt like was for me alone in the movie theater, like it made me want a fist pump was... You are going through the sequence and Paddington is, you know, getting acquainted with London and going around with the Browns um, and you're listening to this really upbeat Calypso song. And then what will inevitably happen in both movies is that he'll turn a corner and then suddenly that band is there. Yes. And they are not just it's, it's sometimes you'll watch a movie and they kind of play with like the diegesis where, you know, like. No, you were listening to this band this whole time. No, they are kind of like the Greek chorus yes. in a way where they kind of break the fourth wall and like just appear in different places as if they are following Paddington and are his personal band. And to me, I love that shit. And that is definitely a kind of joke that I would pitch in a room yeah. and would get immediately turned out. I love it. <laughs> Somebody so would much. be like, that doesn't make sense. Go home. When that happened, my wife and I were talking about this. We both agreed that that was a thing, a, a trope that we enjoy whenever it happens. Yes. And now I can't think of another movie where it happens. But I know that I've seen. It, there's something about Mary. Is the first one that comes oh, yeah. to my mind. Birdman it as is, well it with is the drummer. Like a little bit oh, yeah. of Birdman. meta. It's oh, like a meta joke that I feel is like really kind and it brings the audience into the world so much more because it feels like we it's like a callback joke that we feel in on and yeah. it's just promoting inclusion. I, I really enjoyed that about it. That was so good. I, actually, I'm going to use that. I'm going to be inspired to do my my column, which I have. I'm going to do a quick minor and a major compliment. So my minor compliment was like the third line of the movie was a very good joke. Uh, which is there in the explorers he's describing what he brought to darkest peru and he like the he's like i brought uh supplies and people and a modest timepiece and then they show a guy carrying a grandfather clock 
And right. just mm. the specific phrasing of modest timepiece is so, so good. And then he goes on to say that there's, a, there's also like a piano, there's other gags in it, but just that was like right out of the gate. I was like, that's a better joke than I was expecting for the opening scene of this kid's movie. It's so delightful. Um, that, that that did set the tone. Like this movie is going to be funnier and try harder than you thought it would. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, Which is my favorite kind of thing. And I mean, that's why I love the Simpsons and talk about this specifically all the time with it is that early Simpsons golden age, you know, as we call seasons two through 10 or everyone has their personal preference. It's so much better than it needed to be. Yes. It's yes. just so much better. <laughs> like the bar was set and they kept upping it. And, and that is my favorite kind of thing when people give a shit. I love Again, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Do you remember like the uh, live action George of the jungle movie? Not George of the jungle, oh, but uh, curious yeah. George movie. Oh, with oh, Will Ferrell they did. Yeah. And, like, I didn't see it. No. There is a, a Hollywood and just movies in general, a, littered with bad adaptations of kids properties that like totally. kids don't yeah. care so they could just make it go but just the fact that they went above and beyond and like made a good movie is like it's really wonderful it's that type of thing that you can see like i mean i i don't know this but i would imagine that the the writer and the directors are people who grew up with paddington and probably like really this has meant a lot to them yeah yeah and you could just feel that earnestness coming well, across I mean, the board rather than a cynical cash grab. Yeah, it, I mean, cynical cash grab, it's so hard sometimes because I've definitely worked on things, um, and it's really hard as a writer, I think, to work on things uh, that you're just like, I need to work, but I have, <laughs> and, and it never feels good. And so for me, you know, in all other aspects of my creative life, like, I especially think that, you know, writing comedy is such a privilege. So if you are not injecting all of yourself into it and really giving a shit and like really going for the gold and, you know, trying to up your jokes, then what the fuck are we doing here? You know, and the people that receive that, you know, work that watch it, that read it or whatever, you know, they're going to smell if it's good or bad in, in the way that you intended for it to be, you know, if your heart was in it or not. So why waste anyone's time? Yeah. Um, that's why I think like movies like Curious George and those other cash grab movies, like they're more offensive to me than like, I don't know, the most offensive movie of all time. Um, <laughs> Whatever that is. Triumph of the Will? Sure. It's up there. <laughs> um, my so that was that was my minor compliment that spun off into a lot of very serious major compliments. But my I would say like my specific major compliment is for um, there's this specific kind of movie magic that they do a couple times. There's like a, an interesting stylistic decision that I am sure I've seen in other things, but I cannot p- place. But I loved the way they did it, which was when they do some reminiscing or he does some exp- like some exposition. They use a a thing in the real world that becomes the setting of that. So for example, he's describing the family and he's in the attic and he sees a dollhouse and then the door of the, like the wall of the dollhouse opens and it is their house and it zooms into tiny versions of them around the house and you learn about them. And there's a later part where the, uh, uh, antiques dealer is explaining his life story while looking at a model train and we zoom into the model train and it's a real train and there's a little tiny person and it's like him his story unfolding there it's just a beautiful kind of magic cg element that's great yeah oh it's so lovely and it uh that definitely you didn't have to be like breaking ground like that in a kid's movie man Anthony, can you tell me a movie that that's happened in before? Because I feel like I've seen something like that. Before. I mean, that's definitely been in a bunch of stuff. The The first thing that comes to my mind is Hereditary opens with a very similar thing to that. Mm. Done to a very different effect. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I bet. Um, Matt, let's get to you. What's your compliment pizza for Paddington? 
Uh, so, I mean, Zootopia was brought up, and I think I'm going to give this the same compliment that I, that I would for Zootopia, which is the animation of the fur is incredible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, CGI is a mixed bag in general, but I'm glad we live in an age where we can do this with fur, where it looks so natural and so gorgeous, and the lighting on it uh, just sort of, like, moves and bounces in what feels like the right way. Uh, it He looked great. Paddington looked great. I... And there's a lot of great scenes with that, like, between... You, you can see, uh, even a few years ago, they would not have had the technology to do, like, the getting him wet sequence yeah. with the fur. Or the dried, puffy hair with the fur, which I mm-hmm. love a lot. Oh, great, great, great uh, gag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, like, how far the tech has come for those really subtle little things is really impressive. I, man, I feel... I complain a lot on the show about CG, like when I have bad use of CG, and I feel like him as a character almost works for me. It ninety percent works for me, and there are a few scenes where I was really irritated by his animation, but his fur is incredible, and there's definitely several scenes where, like most of the most of the movie, it feels great, um, and there's just a few times where it's just kind of weird. Um, when did this come out? Was it two thousand four? Fourteen. Oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> time flies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah yeah it's 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 recent and like like the but that's a weird thing about saying like two years ago they couldn't have done this which means in two years this will look super old and <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's just a it's just such a tough time for CG and I feel like I'm glad they're continuing to push stuff uh, at the edge of what we're able to do and it's usually annoying and usually in two years it will not work anymore. Um, and I, like just, I still I, don't want to see people like animated people who look more and more like real people, but yeah. I'll take like I'll gladly watch animals that look more and more like animals. I yeah. I feel like what are we five? I think we're five years away from just the end of CG. I mean, like we've we've accomplished it. We're like all the like the increases will not it will, are, are going to get less and less noticeable because we'll just be fully accepted that this is a bear in this house. Like we will just be yeah. totally fine with it. Well, I mean, I'm going to botch a lot of the key info with this, but I just saw an article headline the other day that talked about this. Just, just the headline? You didn't technology. click on it? No, nah, I didn't click on it. No, I think I did. Maybe <laughs> this I did. This is the summary know. of I'm, me I'm telling you. This is exactly friend. how I tell anybody anything from the internet. It's like, I saw a great headline the other I know, day. I know. I mean, that's all of us, right? Who has the time? But basically, it said that there's new technology in um, CG animation specifically that, you know, kind of solves the Uncanny Valley issue with eyes. That eye um, mm. animation has gotten a little bit more realistic and expressive in a way that, you know, sort of eerily maybe evokes but not eerie in an uncanny valley kind of way but more like wow it's so real that i can't believe you know uh, i'm watching an animated character you know to sort of emote in a way that you know becomes a little bit more believable than what we've previously known yeah well there's also something with like if Paddington looked truly photorealistic, it would be kind of terrifying, right? He has yeah, to sort yeah. of be a little bit cartoony for the uh, animation and for, like, the realism to work off. Like, if he looked like Andy Serkis in Planet of the Apes, right? Which I think looks terrible like, and you think looks really which, good. Well, because you're a crazy person who watches movies on a small laptop instead of seeing yeah. them in a theater <laughs> and see the proper but resolution. Think, crazy person, I'm a poor really person. Sorry. I think that really brings a really great point where I think that the like detachment or or the distance between like the real like a real 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 bear and this kind of more cartoonishly though very real looking bear is that he's able to get away with the hijinks 
in a way that we yeah. allow and garner sympathy. I agree with that. that. And I just think sometimes it was one. noticeable that it was a cartoon. And other times it was like a perfect in this world cartoon designed bear. And I think those are different. And I think that's like, I agree with you when you're about that. I just think that sometimes they nailed it and a few times they didn't quite. I'm not saying it has to be a photorealistic bear looking bear. That would be a weird character design choice. I think there are times where it did not accomplish what they seemed to be trying to do. Not that they yeah. failed in the design. And I just think we're, yeah. we're getting close to it. We're, we, we keep yeah. we're narrowing in on it. And every time there's a new, you know, probably $10 million program that everyone has to switch to for their drawing. Like we, every time there's a new update to cartoon movie program, like we're getting closer. But we're, mm. I just feel like we're, oh, we're just not quite there. And it does your maybe it has less to do with technology at this point and more to do with the actual emotional connection you feel for the creature. Which True. And that's 90 percent of what makes this great. Like that scene on, on the escalator. It's the, the movement and the way he moves like a like a lovable toy bear mm-hmm. versus like just like using him stupidly. Like he, I care about him. It's cute. He makes good faces. And those are things that you can do with different levels of technology. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to take a quick break right here. We're going to uh, uh, just wrap up with some lightning bonus round here in a second. So quick break. We will be right back. And now we have a very special treat before we go any farther. Uh, Ezra has been uh, sadly absent from the podcast the last few weeks. been very busy. And partly that was with the marathon and such. But uh, he did send us an audio postcard uh, he watched the trailer for Paddington with his son, Caleb, and uh, we got a full report from Caleb about what he thought about Paddington. And um, there's a really interesting philosophical discussion about turning your whole house into a bathtub. So uh, let's hear that real quick, and then we'll play some lightning bonus round. So, Caleb, what? tell me a little bit about what you what you saw on that Paddington uh, movie trailer. I saw that Paddington movie trailer that... That the father didn't want the um Christopher Robin didn't want um Paddington because he was doing too much bad stuff to the house. I so yeah, he was who was messing the house. I don't know if that was Christopher Robin. I think that might have been another dad who was also. Not, I meant that. Oh, okay, the other dad. Yeah. Yeah. So what was the, some of the stuff he did to the house? He flowed. The house. Yeah, you flooded it? Yeah. Yes. And what else? I don't remember. Uh, I mean, I think that was that was probably the big one, right? Uh, but why did the... what? Why did people like Paddington? Because... I don't know. Yeah, I guess that is kind of a good question. Did you like him? Did you like him? Yeah. Okay. Why did you like him? I liked him because he flooded the house. Because it was... <laughs> Because he wished my whole house was flooded so I could always be in the wet bath and Wait, warm bath. You, you wanted our house to be flooded also? Yes, because I like warm baths. And I, would, and I always huh. want to be in the warm bath. I feel like that would, I mean, I think that would just break the house, don't you think? Why? Well, it, a it lot. Would collapse it? Yeah, it would collapse it. Would you want that part or no? No. Okay, well, so then we'll, we'll, we'll just have the warm baths in the bath place for now. But. I don't think it would collapse our house. Well, there's some parts of it that just don't really like getting wet. Like the bathtub really likes getting wet, but I don't know if anything else really likes getting wet that much. I think like that, like the cords. Yeah, the cords. The carpet doesn't like getting wet. Why? Uh, it just kind of soaks up. It's basically like a big. It's a big towel, right? So it's just a, towels like getting wet. 
Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's, can we record it? Yeah, no, I'm recording it. We're good. I mean, like... What? Oh, you want to play it back? Yeah. Okay, well, so any last thoughts for people about, about Paddington or anything like that? Anything? Uh, no, you, okay. All right. That was, that was our, our two-minute review of the trailer. Um, as Ezra and Caleb, we say bye. 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 Time. All right. Uh, it is time for a lightning bonus round. We're going to the lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus round. Here we go. We're going to finish Playing a bonus round is our mini game segment where we play games uh, and ask questions, uh, sometimes inspired by the movie, sometimes about the movie, and sometimes uh, suggested by our listeners. Actually, the first thing I want to do is I want to read a series of uh, fan facts. So a bunch of fans wrote in uh, facts, and I picked up my three favorite facts about this movie that I want to discuss that you guys may know already. Um, uh, fan, fan fact number one from at Magic Darts on Twitter. Uh, Paddington was originally going to be voiced by Colin Firth. Did you guys know this? Yeah, yeah. He actually did. He actually recorded the whole thing, wow. and then they realized that it was rubbish and replaced him with Ben Wishaw, who was perfect. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, also like the, bit... like the dad is kind of a Colin Firth type. Yes, I agree. Yeah. With that. Just a little jowlier, I guess. It would have been, so been, been too much Colin Firth, Firth type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's just line... a little bit too old. Yeah, yeah I heard online. The... Uh, sorry, that he um, like. He resigned. It was his idea. Yes, that's he felt it wasn't. That's what I heard. He also could tell it wasn't working, which is hugely to his credit. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, I think that's really interesting. Also, just so infuriating. I mean, Colin Firth has done enough that he's probably this wasn't his big break, so he's not that upset. But the idea of doing the ADR for an entire movie and then not and be like, I don't think this is working. I mean, that's but like also. That's something that, like, when there's, because there's a lot of stories like this in Hollywood, right? Yeah. And, and, like, there's, like, certain courage that I think I have a lot of respect for of creatives being like, okay, I know this is going to cost a lot of money and be a lot of work, but we need to do this. Like, the idea of him bringing him in, paying him, recording all those lines, doing all those takes, and then having the, like I said, the courage to be like, this is not right and let's change it. It reminds me, like, uh, who was the original Marty McFly? Eric Schultz? Eric right? Stoltz, like yeah. they, yeah, they Eric shot Stoltz, over yeah. Eric Stoltz. Yeah, they shot over half of Back to the Future with him and realized mm-hmm. it wasn't going to work, and then reshot all of it with Michael J. Fox. Like, but so the, I love that. But the flip side of that story is you were in half of Back to the Future, and then you got fired, and then you had to watch that yeah. movie become such a huge hit, and be like, I yeah. couldn't do that. Harvey Keitel in Apocalypse Now. They shot over like Man. I think a quarter of the movie with him before they recast him with Martin Sheen. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of roles like that in Hollywood. That's it's not super common, but like the idea of like unarguably all three of those movies would be lesser films with the original. Totally, cast, and I, I think right. so. Like the idea of being like this product, like yeah, it sucks for the actor, but like the from the people behind the scenes to be like, yeah, let's actually pull the trigger on that. There's it's really uh, there's a really great documentary on this subject on HBO. I think it's still on there, but it's called Casting By. Oh, sorry. Real Sex <laughs> um, from 97. Yeah, uh, you, you remember. <laughs> yeah, uh, Casting By. I think it's still, because it was an HBO produced documentary, but it was interviewing all of these casting directors and, you know, sort of what their contribution is to, hmm. you know, some of the greatest movies of all time and how they are, you know, historically kind of, you know, thought as an afterthought, not considered to be adding artistically to the end product, but you know, they are just as important as, you know, the core um, creative staff for it, like the director, like the writer, you know, like the editor. And, um, you know, the 
documentary itself follows like their, you know, rise and sort of standing and getting like the benefits as some of their um, peers in that realm as being seen as like big contributors to some of the greatest films uh, in history. That's yeah, super I mean, I, for them the I show notes. Sick I, last, last episode, so I didn't get to bring this up, but I did. We did uh, Home Alone. No, how dare you movie. not show up to a recording and then try to podcast about it anyway? No, <laughs> but I do. I do want to say something that was you I miss was school, you miss out, Anthony. Was uh, the casting director for Home Alone and the first Harry Potter the same lady? Mm. And it really put into perspective how talented. She is when you think mm. like how iconic the cast in Home Alone is and how incredibly well cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first Harry Potter film was. That, uh, that's a good point. Like that, and that you, I would have loved you to have made that last week when it was relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the the uh, that actually reminds me really quick of one. My it just happened to be uh, we left the I like the credits music so I left the credits running and I just glanced up a few times and I had my new favorite credit that I've seen. Um, uh, so there was carpenters and there were like 15 and then there was carpenter improvers and there were two names <laughs> and I, I either they were like going back over and like making the carpentry 10 percent better which is great or they were just there to make the carpenters better which i also like yeah either way i have i have an addition to that category um <laughs> if i may my yeah, friend please. has um uh, what i feel is is like the best credit that you can possibly have um in film uh, because I think they invented it for him. Um, but he worked on No Country for Old Men and in like the post department or or maybe the, um, uh, I don't know, the visual effects department. But I think that he got the title of like Android Horse Wrangler. Um, <laughs> wow. Something like Android that. Android Horse you know? Wrangler is really good. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, wow, that's incredible. What an interesting fact about yourself to open at parties with. That's going to be more and more common. Yeah, exactly. yeah Horses become CGI. I, I bet he opened the door for so many people on Westworld. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, breaking that glass prairie. Um, so, oh, let me just do one more fan fact, uh, from Bridget, uh, which is that Michael Bond, the creator of Paddington used to keep his hat on when he went swimming at the beach because he didn't want to meet someone he didn't know and not have a hat to raise to greet them. Oh boy. Wow. That's some OCD. (laughs) That's the most British thing I've ever heard. It's the Britishest. I love it. It's so British. (laughs) And that's one thing that I enjoy about, like, I feel like this bear Paddington, the American bear is like a way shittier movie. Yes. There's just oh, no absolutely. way that Paddington shows up in Pittsburgh and just has a great adventure like this. Well, it's like, have you watched um, Great American Bake Off? Yeah, which yeah. Is the Amer- yeah, I, I mean, I still watch it and love it because <laughs> it is, you know, part of the Great British Bake Off family and it's, you know, done with the same people. So it has the same like sort of music beats. Wait, and wait, wait, so, beats. so there's two of them because there, yes. was, there was an original one where they did all american cast and then it sucked and they also the one of the judges uh turned out to be a a serial sexual harasser and that show got axed and then they redid it where they brought the americans to the tent in the uk yes yes with mary berry yes and that's incredible that one is incredible. The most recent season does not have Mary Berry because, you know, she's right, been course, out for course, a couple of course. years. Yeah, I think um, we've complained about this on almost every episode of this podcast for the last year. It's amazing. I don't know it's, how it keeps I coming mean, up. But I, no, I didn't bring it up. That's why it's great. It is arguably the less than, but I would say that that margin is not as wide as I thought it would be, um, you yeah. know, because I, I, don't know. I love, love Prue. I love Prue too. Prue's amazing. I mean, Prue has made me want to buy like seven new necklaces. pairs of eyeglasses and necklaces. <laughs> She's exactly Wait, the but kind how of can woman you like I want to age show... into. Okay, okay. Two main things. Number one, 
who watched The Great British Bake Off and was like, the only piece that's holding this together is Paul Hollywood. Whatever we do, we have to keep Paul Hollywood. That's insane. Number two. I know that's well, insane. I, even if you I accept that. I think he that, owns the show, right? He Isn't does. Paul Hollywood? He feels yeah, like he, the, yeah. So the yeah. only person yeah, who thought I that was Paul Hollywood. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's more of a, listen, motherfuckers. <laughs> You can do whatever you want, but wherever you go, you're taking Paul Hollywood with you. That's I will fair. say, you know, it was, I, yeah, I will say that I know you've probably argued this if you've uh, talked about this every episode. Then forgive me, but um, I was shocked at how much I enjoyed and really didn't detect that big of a difference between the Mary Berry episodes and the Prue episodes. I would. I would say that Prue, as well as Noel Fielding, and I forget the name of the other woman who replaced the other, um, the, uh, the Sandy, other comedy uh, and Sue. I can't handle yeah, that Mel and Sue are gone because I love them so much. I know I love them so much, but I would say that Noel and um, is her name Sandy? Is what, that what Sandy, you say? Yeah. Sandy, yep. yeah. I feel like they have stepped up to the plate in a way that like is confident. It feels like they are not, you know, like they, they are not approaching the show as they are like the substitute teachers of the show. They are approaching it with the confidence that ushers in a new chapter and the mm. same with Prue. But I will just say that the great American bake off uh, the most recent season, which is holiday <laughs> holiday yeah. style. Um, it is, it is less than of course to the British one, but it is. Yeah. Like I said, not that big of a difference, not that big of a gap. No. Um, because okay. the whole gang is there and everybody's taking it seriously, then I take it seriously and I love it. Okay. I can't... First, two things. I cannot do this to Mel and Sue. I feel like it's cheating on them. And number two, even if you accept that Paul Hollywood has to be a part of the show, in the new series, he just shakes everybody's hand. He's just throwing away handshakes like they're handshakes. water. I it's I know this is that was you that was your only thing but you know what but you know what to, on the bread uh, episode off, he's shaking people's I know, hands I know but to offset that in the great American bake-off um an episode I just watched he got real mean <laughs> in a way that was accurate but uh -huh. it did make my husband and I go dear god so I think that he's back <laughs> I think that he's making up for all the handshakes he's giving out willy-nilly because he what? is being very pointed with his criticism. Oh, okay, so he's he's taking the criticism. The one thing I did like he's about the Mary Berry version of the uh, American Bake Off was that she had never had like 90% of normal American desserts. And yeah. so there's a great one where they get somebody made a snickerdoodle cookie and she was so delighted by that name. She was like, did you come up with that name? Oh, hilarious. <laughs> that was yeah, so cute. Yeah, I think I saw that clip, yeah. She's so I mean, great. I love that. It's, it's all about cultural differences, bringing it back to padding Yes, Great thank British you. Bake Off is just about, you know, crossing that line and going, we are all coming from the same, you know, part uh, of, of being, you know, living beings on this planet Earth. We are each other's brethren, even if we don't look the same or, you know, um, uh, come, come from the same kind of family. We're all in this together. And I think that that's really that's what we true. need to that's take home true. with us today. And we all can love marmalade. <laughs> we love all is can. Love. And should. Love is marmalade love. <laughs> um, one more fan fact that's not related to this movie was actually a, a follow-up from last week's episode, and then we're going to to close the show. Um, this is from at Jared Donna Miller. On the, so, Anthony, this is your other chance to talk a little bit more about Home Alone. But we had a long conversation during our Home Alone episode last week about how we felt bad for whatever girl was in the picture of Buzz's girlfriend, because there's that oh, part where yeah. he picks up the photo and is like, woof. And then puts it back. And uh, uh, fan fact, we don't have to feel bad for Buzz's girlfriend because Buzz's girlfriend uh, was actually uh, a young boy who, in a wig um, 
because the director felt bad about having to say that about any girl who would be in the photo. That's and so fantastic. The, the production designer's son was like, I'll do it. And so they put a wig on him <laughs> and he played the ugly buzz girlfriend and uh, took that one for the team so that no nobody Good had to feel bad kid. about being woofed. Isn't that charming? I think that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's also got that whole guy in a wig thing that uh, we saw a lot of in this movie, which is the scene we didn't actually talk about. Is the long scene of uh, um, uh, Sir Crowley in a, a, a wig, which is fine. Um, Pretending to have a fake prosthetic arm, which is a very funny That thing. gag is I really like good. I feel like, in general, I'm just, like, it not being the 90s anymore, I'm just so much less amused by somebody being like, oh, you're a man in a wig. How hot. And just find that to be less funny than I used it, to. It's, it's tiring. And also, I mean, this was sexual harassment on the job. Also, Hella sexual harassment you know, on the job. He was testing whether or not it was a prosthetic arm by stabbing his colleague. Yes. Essentially. Yes. Which is also not okay. Very poor decisions. Uh, but anyway, that's just the fan fact about Buzz's girlfriend that I wanted to. Everybody can feel better about that one, at least. So we have that. Well, that is an institution that bans you from life if you don't murder sentient animals. That's true. Mm. I think that they're... Their standards for employees are a little bit looser. Yeah, probably the HR <laughs> department is not great. Places. Yeah, that's a really... I mean, they spent all of their time cleaning those fucking... Uh, pneumatic tubes. What's, what's, pneumatic tubes, yeah. yeah, which is... First off, can I, can I just say... You can say first off because be we're closing. Like that. But go ahead. I, I would just... I've dreamed of being in a room that looks like some Harry Potter pneumatic tube shit my sure. entire life. <laughs> I've just always wanted to see something like that. Yeah. So I do like that. Yeah. But man, it's not. Do that, does that exist in real life? Can no. I go there? Um, is, is there a place like that? There are places. Oh, um, there's a coffee shop I went to uh, recently in Chicago that is like that. Where and I believe there's one in Brooklyn too, where you. Uh, was it Chicago? Oh man! Anyway, they they like roast the beans in a. It's a series of pneumatic tubes where like you order a coffee and it's from a bunch of different can canisters of coffee and you watch it get sucked up into a thing, roasted, sucked up to another pneumatic tube, dropped into a grinder, pneumatic tube into your coffee, and then the coffee is handed to you. It's very uh, fun and it's very much like this. Amazing. Um, uh, and I should have just looked this up faster. Uh. But I believe there is one in New York. It's not great coffee. It's just really cool. Um, uh, That's all I want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, like most of my human experience where I'm like, it's not great, but we had fun. Or it's not great, yeah. but there's a cool theme. Like, uh, I'll go anywhere for a cool theme. Yeah, it's called. So the, the machine is called Java Bot and the uh, coffee shop in New York is called Roasting Plant. Um, Amazing. And uh Oh, I may have been Detroit where I went to that. Anyway, yeah, a lot of automation and tubes. And like, if you want mediocre coffee delivered to you like uh, Harry Potter, that's an option. All right. <laughs> and that's going to be the last word on the show. If you want to send us along fan facts about anything we're watching, I love that. Uh, Readdeskweep.com slash next. You can see the upcoming episode and you can hit us up on Facebook and Twitter and email podcast at readdeskweep.com. And that's it for our show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Next week, we are talking about It's a Wonderful Life. We're Ooh, closing Christmas on a solid Classic. holidays. Classic holidays. Uh, and I 
have very mixed feelings about this movie. Yeah, I, uh, man, there are things about it I really enjoy, and I think it's better than it even gets credit for, and there are things about it that I really hate. Uh, so, um, looking forward to that conversation. I really appreciate the Meat Buddies <laughs> for voting on that. Uh, I mean, you really love that Mr. Potter gets away at the end with no scraps, right? That's you really. That's you think one he's the, just an honest businessman, you know. I, really, it's the uncle who fucked up. I feel great about that. Uh, actually, like the first thing that it, uh, off the top of my head, the thing that I find irritating is that um, in the alternate universe, uh, his wife is just an old spinster because, like, mm. she, he was like she's just so unappealing as a person that if. It's not for him. She'll die poor and alone. And like, what guy needs that to think that his life was valuable? He needs to think, oh, if it weren't for me, she'd die poor and alone, and everyone would hate her. Uh, it's that's real gross. But um, also, like, if he hadn't been there, uh, maybe the kid wouldn't have drowned in the river uh, because maybe somebody else would have been there. Also, I'm gonna be around just in case. Like, you have a backup kid to save your kid. That's not a great system. Anyway, um, I have so many issues with this movie. Also, like, your kid died in the war. Let him kill a few strangers. What does it matter? <laughs> I'm, he's going through a lot right now. Yeah, yeah he, knows that's, he knows that's his bad ear, but he doesn't care. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so all that and more next week. It's a wonderful life. Uh, if you want to vote on upcoming that's topics, read dashweek.com slash meetbuddies. You can decide next year's Grismas uh, options and, and everything in between. Uh, thanks for being here, Anthony Lopez. As always, it's a pleasure. Hey, Matt, thanks for being back on the show. I've been emailing you a bunch recently. You've been so busy with your three-year-old, who I hear is great. Thanks for making it. He is excellent. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at KetchupTheBear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great idea. Um, also, that was a good gag where he just takes a bite of the plastic tomato ketchup holder and goes, not ripe yet, and then puts it down. <laughs> and it was such Amazing. a minor, such a so brief gag. Jokes. Oh, it was great. Um, and then uh, at Julia Prescott also check out Everything's Coming Up Simpsons and the book 100 Things the Simpsons fans should know and do before they die uh, from the 100 Things uh, fans should know series uh, but about Simpsons thanks for being here Julia hey thanks so much for having me what a what a delight a uh, delight on top of a delight because we're already talking about such a delightful movie and, and you guys are all delightful it is so delightful oh, and you. I agree with all the things just totally delightful so everybody enjoy some marmalade we'll be back next week take care goodbye <laughs> And just one more reminder, when you're shopping on Amazon.com this time of year, please go to Amazon.com. That's our referral link. That way, a portion of the proceeds go to us. It's the easiest way to help us without really doing anything. Amazon.com.